and a lot of holes in the desert, and a lot of problems are buried in those holes. There are a lot of holes in that desert. We're going to talk about them. But first, this is Swipe Right Sports. It's your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Agkak. It is episode 33. As mentioned, it's the next top five movie discussion. Last time we did top five of the 21st century with big brother Michael and dear friend Tony. They're coming back, and we're going to weave through our each of our top five Martin Scorsese movies of all time. It's now or never. Decisions have been made, and there's no going back. So uh, let's get into it. Here it is. It is time. We are back by popular demand. Last time it was the top five movies of the 21st century. This time I tasked uh, Big Brother Michael and dear friend Tony to come up with their top five Martin Scorsese lists. And the way I uh, phrase this to the group, I want them to start by answering this question, and that is, does the Scorsese top five list automatically include kind of the signature films of Goodfellas, Casino Departed, and Wolf of Wall Street in some kind of order? Are they just automatically have to be included in this list? And um, if so, so that's a yes or no question. If so, is it simply a matter of identifying what the fifth one is and making the case for that? So that was kind of how I framed it because I think our answers may be different to that, yes or no. So why don't I just open it up now to uh, one of Tony or Michael, uh, just how are you guys doing and uh, how, how is your journey through this top five Scorsese movie list? Go ahead, Tony. This uh, was a ton of fun to go through Scorsese. I mean, I've seen, we've all seen his movies and it's been so many years, like, but I can't remember the last time I went back and watched Goodfellas, Casino, all those kind of films, you know, outside the ones that are just on TV. So it was a lot of fun going through all the films. Um, and, you know, to answer your question on my side, uh, the answer to that question for me was no, you know, getting a top five together was very, very difficult. And I don't know about you guys, the iterations of my top five outside of number one changed throughout the course of me watching these movies a number of times. Uh, but at the end of the day, the answer to that question was no. And I'll go through my top five at some point, but uh, I didn't have all the same ones, all those four that we're talking about in the five kicker in there. So, but ultimately this was a great time to just go through and, and watch, watch all of a great film or filmmakers films. It was awesome. Big brother, Michael. Well, I, uh, I actually thought about that really hard as far as, did those four movies make it in? And there was there was one that was kind of teetering after I did a little more, like, after I watched it again and I did some research. Uh, but, but yes, all four of those made it in for me in, in, in a certain order. Um, <clears throat> but it was fun. It was fun going through all this stuff. I know Bobby did, like, a chronological run of, like, 19 or 18 movies, which is insane. Um, and I, I watched Mean Streets. I, I, I did that. I kind of I started watching After Hours. I didn't didn't finish it. Um, but but rewatching like six or seven of these was 
amazing. And Scorsese is so good with the camera and his direction and all that stuff that that it was a lot of fun to do. And uh, and and I'm excited to kind of like throw some of these notes, some of these notes that I that I made. Uh, I'm excited to talk about some of those. And uh, this was kind of a fun. It was a fun little project here. I, I know I'm glad that we had more time to do it. Um, that was beneficial for I think all of us. So. So yeah, let's uh, let's let's go on. How did, how'd you do, Bob? Yeah, like you mentioned, um, I, we did allow a little bit more time just because uh, I think all of us, after doing the first one, wanted a little more time to kind of collect our thoughts and uh, do a little bit more digging. And like I said, or as you said, Michael, that's why I started back in 1973 and I went all the way from Mean Streets. I skipped a few, like Alice doesn't live here anymore, and uh, Kundun was kind of skipped over um, just because. I couldn't do it and they weren't going to make any top five lists anyway. But um, it was very fascinating to watch his style develop and uh, evolve over the time. And back to the question too, I'm going to give my answer and I'm going to explain why. Uh, and I'll just kind of be the first to go through that. So do those four movies automatically be included in the top five? And the answer is yes for me. And the reason is, guys, it all starts with a star is born, like everything else. Um, and why, what I try to do, when I try to articulate that point about what makes that movie, why I think it's so impressive and unique, it's not that it's, it, it's, it's the way it's told, right? It's not, it's not that it's um, a remake of, of, anyone can kind of take the beats of that story that was told, um, I think it started in the 1930s, and remake a current modern version of it. But only Bradley Cooper, I thought, in my opinion, could write, star, direct, co-write, and co-perform all the original music. Only he could really pull that off and do it in a competent way. So that's what makes it special. That's what makes it unique in my mind. Now, on to the Marty S part of the discussion. That point for him is, let's take, for example, the movie The Age of Innocence. Very good movie. A remake of a 1930s adaptation of a 1920 novel of this New York high society um, kind of social circle in New York City. And again, very good movie, but I think you could take probably 12 to 15 competent directors and you could make that movie now and get some similar competent version that Scorsese put out there. So that's not why, that's not the movie that makes him special or unique, although it's very good. When you get to the movies like Goodfellas, where it all starts, why we kind of love him is he tells these stories with a source material like Henry Hill, uh, Jordan Belfort, or Frank Lefty Rosenthal, which is the Ace Rossing character. He takes that material and tells these stories in a way that no one in that genre tells them. And it, it's, I wanna be very specific here and put the emphasis on the most reaction I'm having when I'm watching these movies is laughter, right? These movies are, de facto dark comedies in a way. And yeah. up until that point with Goodfellas, no one would kind of even dare choose to tell these stories in that way. And just for reference, we're talking about this genre. You have Untouchables, Donnie Brasco, Black Mass, Mobsters, Blow, American Gangster, Heat, Scarface, Godfather. There's bits and pieces of humor in these movies, but they're not funny, right? They're, these are not funny movies. Goodfellas, Wolf especially, Departed, and Casino are hysterical. You're constantly laughing, and his injection and application of humor in this 
genre is somewhat groundbreaking and it's what makes him him it's what separates him it's why we're having this conversation not because of movies like age of innocence although they're very good so for me they're all included in there and um <laughs> i saw that michael um for me they're in there and my list would just be one Goodfellas, two Departed, three Wolf, four Color of Money, which we'll talk about later, and five is Casino. So um, thoughts and reactions, does anyone want to jump in there? Yeah, I think, you know, you're spot on about a lot of that. I love the, the injection of comedy and, the, and the, you know, the theme of just that dark comedy aspect and it being unique to his movies. Um, my answer to that question, though, is no. And the reason why is when I tried to come up with his top five, for me, it came down to like, if I had to present five Scorsese movies to somebody, um, you know, cause you get down to like, there's eight really good, great Scorsese movies that you could say like, I'm choosing from, but I have to put five in front of somebody. So I'm going to pick my five to say like, this is kind of what accentuates who he is. And to me, it really comes down to a couple things. Goodfellas is obviously in there. Departed is in there. Um, the Wolf, I really struggled with Wolf of Wall Street. Really, really struggled not putting it in there. I just want you to know that before we get into it, because I, I know that it's going to be tough. It has been tough for you to see that. It's not part of my top five. I do have reasons for it, but it's not. It could be, but it's not. Um, casino, it, to me, casino fellas. It's casino fellas. And, and I don't think that it deserves to be in a top five when it's just, to me, maybe that just tries to repeat everything that Goodfellas was, but misses the mark across every aspect of the board. Thing, script, soundtrack, etc. So I did not feel comfortable putting good, uh, Casino in there as, as part of the top five. Um, but he does things in a way with these movies that no other director can. Um, and he is obviously one of the best. And that's, that's to me why my answer is no. So I went Goodfellas, Departed, Taxi Driver, Gangs of New York, and then Cape Fear. And Cape Fear goes in there, you know, I think because it's, it's part of like a genre that he put his mark on. Um, which I know we'll get into a little bit more later, but that's my top five and why it's not inclusive of those four movies that were discussed in the beginning. All right, you're clearly wrong, but that's okay. Michael, big brother Michael, weigh in. Well, I, uh, I kind of thought about this process as like, you know, a uh, desert island, you know, kind of. You know, if, if I'm going to take five Scorsese movies to a desert island, what am I taking? And, and mine was Goodfellas, Wolf, departed casino and gangs and and i know casino and goodfellas they are very similar i love gangster movies he does them really well and i was all in on that and and uh they're just all his movies that are just testosterone filled movies that are just dude movies alpha. i like that's yeah there's alpha male shit that's what i like when I when when I'm watching these movies, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, it's probably it's probably the funniest movie he ever did, and the comedy in that movie is just hysterical. The whole thing is just it's it's just funny, kind of start to finish, even though it, it was it was complete debauchery and all that stuff, but it's really funny and and I love that movie, Tony. Shame on you for for not putting that taking that to your desert island, um, but. But uh, those are the movies that, that I chose. Yeah, and if, I think if you want to phrase it another way too, you could say, you know, if the aliens came down and said, who is this Marty S you speak of and what shall we watch to familiarize ourselves with him? Those four movies have got to be in there, which is why Tony's just made a big mistake in here. and He's going to have to 
defend himself shortly on a field. But um, yeah, that I, I I think we both agree on that, Big Brother Michael. Well, and and I I rewatched Cape and I I'd seen it before, and and Cape's great, and seeing De Niro just being a complete psychopath, it is absolutely amazing. He does a great job in that. But as you, Bobby said, you know if if another director did that, you know, okay, but no one can do what he does with, with those four movies, no. you know, or no one, no one can do w what he does, how he does the camera, how he does all, all his, his tracking with the cameras and all that stuff and the lighting. Like I've, I've kind of read and listened to a lot of stuff about like his filmmaking. And when you're rewatching these movies, you kind of start seeing it. You start picking up on these little nuances that, that, that he does and his, his technique. And, uh, and, and I know, um, Color Money, uh, it's great, uh, but anyone could have done that. Some some similar competent version of it, probably, but I'm gonna get into why that is my number four and why I liked it so much. So, um, look, give you the top five, Michael. What's that? Give you top five. I did. Okay, so then the one thing that we take away from all the list is we have a clear number one, and that's Goodfellas, but I think most people all agree on it, some with the consensus, but let's all give our main reason or reasons for why that is the clear number one. Uh, Tony, take it away. So I just think for Scorsese, we talk about what he does with the cameras, the nuances, the technique. Um, Goodfellas outdoes every Scorsese movie. Like Goodfellas is a thing that outdoes every Scorsese movie in every category. The soundtrack is incredible. The script is so tight. It's funny. Like, I think that's where it first like kind of hit home that you can make this a gangster movie that really like one humanizes bad people so that you actually like the characters like I'm rooting for these these terrible people um, whereas those other movies that you mentioned Bob like you hate them like they're bad guys and you know those other movies outside the Scorsese category like he makes these guys likable somehow um, some of the the music in this movie like I think we talked about this I don't know if it was on the last spot or just you know aside that he puts together some of the best soundtracks for movies ever um, is that music that he uses is, is, is far and away, you know, I think incredible in Goodfellas. Um, the death scenes, the narration I love, and it's one of my big, big, big rubs against Casino, is that the narration just did not do it for me. And it almost ruined the movie as I like continue to rewatch it. I thought Nikki's narration was terrible in those movies. Um, whereas Ace is great, but you know, we can talk about Casino that later. Fellas? Yeah, Casino <laughs> Fellas, in Casino <laughs> Fellas. Um, and, uh, I love that mom. Like, there's just so many little scenes. Like, um, Scorsese's mom is the mom where they go to when they have the guy in the trunk, and and she's just so cute. And like that movie, that scene is so funny. And like, um, the whole movie is like that. And it set the standard for everything after. You know, I think Sopranos, things that felt, felt come come after that movie is all because of what Goodfellas did. So that's why it's number one and better than you know all the other Scorsese movies. Big Brother Michael. Well, <clears throat> I I obviously do the. Uh, the lists, I, I look on the internet and I see what everyone else has, has said, Scorsese top movies, and I've listened to some podcasts. And even even the most, um, even, even the most really film kind of snobbery type people, everyone number one, good film. I, I mean, it is consensus. And, and from 1990, when it came out, uh, it was the first of him and Tony, you're right. It's like he outdoes himself. Like it is, it is the, it is the best. It's so iconic and memorable. 
and it just kind of starts what i mean i know taxi driver and raging bull came before that for me as a 39 year old guy it starts with me it really starts with goodfellas i mean it blew me away when i first saw it and, and it blows me away when i rewatch it it's 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 remarkable and and uh and, and it's not it's not that that wolf is is worse or departed is worse it's goodfellas was the first one and and it, and it just it every single beat on it it was just crazy like like that that tracking scene through the copacabana is is ridiculous and people have, people have copied that and that's great that's fine go ahead copy it but that's so iconic that like it, it it stands out i mean in the first 59 minutes of that movie you get young henry which i think is great the, the, the young henry stuff is i i think it's really cool uh then you get the how you know how am i funny pesci scene which is iconic you get uh what, what do we got here uh the fucking shine box <laughs> crazy tommy's mom house uh, Copacabana scene, and then uh, what's up, Bucko? When he goes and beats the, the the guy from across the street. That's the first fifty nine minutes. And though, for for guys who like movies, I, I mean, those those scenes are so iconic and, and memorable that that it's 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 the clear number one. It's I mean, I don't I don't know what a perfect movie is. I don't, but it's really close in in in, in my opinion. Um, yeah. In, no, I, I, those are good points, and I think uh, I think talking about it just being the first um, of this, you know, with, with this movie, it's the first time he kind of jumps into this form of storytelling. It's kind of, again, in my opinion, it's kind of him creating almost his own genre. It's almost like Tarantino has his stamp on something. You know it's that Tarantino style, and this is the first of its kind, and it's what sets up all the other ones. And it's also... Uh, this is in all of these movies that we talk about, but he's mastering this technique of kind of having darker tones or darker scenes followed by lighter hearted things or uh, interactions that humanize these guys like you talk about. And it almost subdues any of the morality that you're thinking about. You don't care what these guys are doing or the crime anymore. They're not even good or bad at that point. They're just people acting accordingly, giving their set of circumstances and you're just along for the ride and it's super entertaining. So I want to play just an example of that right now of kind of what I'm talking about. So I'm going to share the screen just to illustrate something here. This opening narration, probably the first 10, 15 minutes of Goodfellas and this uh, dialogue by Ray Leo. For us to live any other way was nuts. Us, those goody good people who worked shitty jobs for bum paychecks and took the subway to work every day, worried about their bills, were dead. And they were suckers. They had no balls. If we wanted something, we just took it. If anyone complained twice, they got hit so bad, believe me, they never complained again. It was just all routine, and you didn't even think about it. So, uh, right there, um, you know, that's not funny, right? That's someone, that's very brutal dialogue. Um, and it's basically saying, we think, the audience members now, you guys are a bunch of chump losers for living the way you live. And we're gonna do whatever we want. And if you try to stop us, uh, we'll probably hurt you, maybe even kill you. So, and again, very serious kind of darker tone to be setting. That's immediately followed by, 
oh, you, you think I'm funny? You're a funny guy, Steve. So right afterwards, they're all buddies and they're friends and you just forget about what these guys actually are. It doesn't even matter anymore. That sort of dynamic takes place constantly throughout all of these movies where it's one after the other. Uh, and it's just kind of, again, it just kind of puts you to sleep and you don't care about whether these guys are good or bad anymore. And like Tony said, they become appealing in a certain way. Um, and even also uh, adding to like the music musical part of it, the way he uses lighthearted or fun songs over maybe a very violent scene. Good example would be the way when they're killing Billy Bats and he's playing that Atlantis chorus over it. Think about that scene without that song in it and there's these two guys stopping this guy's face, right? It's totally brutal, but uh, it just kind of takes that away from it. So uh, I think the way he does that and uses music over and over again throughout these movies is really what makes uh, him great. And the first is Goodfellas. So that's gotta be the one. Also, one other point I wanna make is this Leota performance is amazing. Special. And look, it, before this, the only notable thing he would have done was Field of Dreams. So to put him in this and have him carry this movie the way he does, it's incredible. Uh, and I just, that still holds up so well. And I, I can't say enough. It, it's kind of missing from something like Casino too. There's not like that. Uh, it's almost too much Pesci versus De Niro in a lot of ways um, that Leo to kind of break things up. So I think that's another reason as well. Leota's, Leota's voice narrating this movie, his voice is so good. So you good. Know, listening to him. Uh, I have a couple weird things here. Uh, uh, Henry Hill, uh, he said that uh, Pesci's character was 90% accurate in this. You know, his, his the, the real gangster. Um, and Leota turned down Harvey Dent in Batman to play this role. Can you believe that? Um, Pacino offered uh, the role of Jimmy Conway, turned it down to play Big Boy in Dick Tracy. And uh, I have a, obviously the, uh, the, the Oscar talk. Uh, this lost to Dance with Wolves and Scorsese lost to Kevin Costner as director. Uh, Bobby, I know you're a big Dances Wolf guy. What do you think about that? Uh, it's probably an error looking back. Um, it's pr pr probably a little bit of a mistake, but as we documented uh, in the last pod, there's a lot of mistakes uh, with the Academy Awards over the years. So this is not one of the more glaring ones because it's not like it's losing to something that's a complete joke. It's a good, still a good movie and worthy, but um, yeah, uh, well, Goodfellas is the better. Just to put it in perspective, what is the first film that Martin Scorsese won Best Director from? I believe Raging Bull? I don't think so. I might have run one Best Picture. I believe it was The Departed. Oh, you so, know, it was The Departed, yeah. It's a mess. Like, it just, like, who knows what's going on at this Oscars, but um, I love that end scene, too, with Layla going back to the music, that I cannot listen to Layla, the, the outro of that song, without picturing the end scene where all these dead guys are just being, like, that voiceover of what happened to everybody. So good. Um, and, uh, and it's just wild, man. I love, I love, uh, the music that he puts together for this stuff. Yeah. And, um, just one, I'm going to play one more scene here to kind of illustrate this, um, juxtaposition of something violent or a crime being committed up against maybe something interaction that's a little more lighthearted and, and funny. So let's play this. This is, um, them burning down the, uh, Coke cabana, I believe, and Pesci and Leota in the car talking about going on a date. I'm gonna go out with Italians, huh? Prejudice against Italians. 
fucking believe that? In this day and age, what the fuck is this world coming to? <laughs> I can't believe this prejudice against a Jew brought prejudice against that. Anyway, she won't go out with me alone unless her girlfriend comes with us. So I figure you come along and go out with her girlfriend. See, I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. You know what? See what? What the fuck is wrong with that? What is this? Tomorrow night. I can't tomorrow night. I gotta meet Tony. You could meet Tony. You could fucking come early and then Tommy, still go. Tommy, why do you always do this? Hey, look at that fucking Tommy shit. What the fuck I asked you for? I mean, I'm asking you for a favor. I do a lot of fucking favors for you, don't I? I'm trying to bang this fucking bro. You wanna help me out? It's, 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 it's I don't know. So just to kind of illustrate that too, the they got the uh, building on fire in the background. So uh, and then they had this funny conversation. Just this stuff is constantly happening. So it's uh, it's what he does best. Um, all right, that is the Goodfellas number one. Kind of anything to add before we get into the next topic? Pesci uh, won the Oscar for his supporting role. Yes, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Did did he win it again for his interpretation of it in Casino? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So the next topic we have it is now Tony. Um, you're a big taxi driver guy. I knew this was going to likely make it into your top five. I rewatched this. I did alter my opinion of it. It is very good, but I want you to make your taxi driver case now um, for this being included when something like Wolf is out. Go. Yeah. It's, first of all, it's tough to do. I do really love Wolf. I have an internal struggle about it, um, about not including it over Taxi Driver. But if we go back to what Scorsese does with cameras and his nuances and his technique, no film better exemplifies this than Taxi Driver. And I do go back to like, you know, what started it all, the movies that started it all and how much pull they get when you're talking about putting them number one on a list. Like, you know, I kind of think about that stuff, especially when I put together this list. But I think one of the hardest things for a director to do is to suggest what's going on internally with the characters. So like we're Goodfellas, that narration is so important. You know what's going on with characters. You get what's going on with Travis Bickle through what Scorsese does with that camera. And it's like fascinating and it's encompassing and it draws you in in a way that I think no other movie does. And it's different than his, his other films. So you can go through and say Wolf, Goodfellas, Casino, all these movies that have this like and Traxxas Drivers kind of got comedy in it too with like Albert Brooks and Sybil Shepherd. Like there's some really funny parts um, to that movie, but there's like an underbelly of that film, which is like so fascinating. And just thinking about there's one scene where he's sitting and it's just like a small tracking shot that shows um, a group of like, like a pimp and you just get like what he thinks about African-Americans or it just shoots in and zones in on some Alka-Seltzer and you just know that he's not part of what's going on socially at all. And you don't have to like do any like diving into it. You just get it through what Scorsese does. Um, it doesn't grow old. Every time I watch this movie, I just, I can watch it throughout. Like I love the music and I just don't know why. It's just, I think it's just something draws you into it. Um, I think that Scorsese's disturbing little cameo in it is awesome. Like you go through some of these like scenes and you think about the scenes that he puts together in 1976 and like, him sitting in the back of that cab literally freaked me out the first time that I saw it, too. Like, it was awesome. So early on when I watched these, he does um, inject himself into a bunch of his different movies. I thought that was probably the best one, um, his personal cameo of all of them. It was so good. Uh, and, and I think the, you know, the you talking to me, I, I know that it's easy for us to just kind of gloss over, but for that to be just an improvised scene, it is one of the, like, it's what we know to be the best improvised scene of all time. Like, you don't, 
you know, when you like look it up, like I don't know of anything else I can point to except for De Niro, who's just some crazy actor who's so good, probably one of the best actors of all time, especially during that era. Um, putting to, putting that together was awesome. Um, I thought the the budget. So De Niro, by the way, just also made Godfather Father Two. I believe he just you know, so he's a, just a superstar, and I think he got paid something like twenty five thousand dollars to do this movie along with everybody else. So it was just like a cool low budget flick that just took off. Um, I love the ending, you know, it was gonna be X-rated cause it was so, you know, like that ending scene, nobody points to that ending scene as being better than the Goodfellas ending scene or the casino ending scene in terms of the brutality or anything like that. But it's fascinating how it's done. And when you read that it never had been done before. And the fact that he had to like put different type of dye to make the blood look like a little bit darker. So it didn't look like actual blood. So it wasn't X-rated. Like that stuff is cool to me. And that's why it deserves a spot on that list. I might Yeah. Um, when I watched this movie, it felt like I kept thinking of the movie Joker. Um, very, very Joker-esque a lot. Um, a lot of parallels with the King of Comedy as well. And I wanted to ask you about this because those are, King of Comedy and Taxi are different movies, but they're very similar. About, they're about these two kind of loser people who are, they're kind of social pariahs in a way. And towards the end of the movie, they kind of become vindicated at least through the movie in a way where now Travis Bickle is talked about as his hero that's saving this young girl. And the King of Comedy guy, Rupert Pumpkin, becomes praised for his um, antics in a way where he's he becomes a sort of heroine to the society. And it felt weird, like, what was Scorsese trying to like, say about this? Why was he messaging this in this way? And also at the end of Taxi Driver specifically, Sybil Shepherd all of a sudden kind of likes him now and maybe is interested. Like, what is he trying to do? What do you think? Well, I think, well, I can only really speak in terms of cat, Taxi Driver just because I've thought more about it, but I don't know if that scene is even real. Like some people I read kind of thought that Travis may have died at the end and this is just, or he's so far removed from reality that he's creating this, that, that final scene with Sybil Shepherd. So it could go a number of different ways, but I think it goes back to like what Scorsese does with these flawed characters and and there's really no like pick a movie like who is ever a hero in his movies like who was ever like a true hero even when we get to like Kate Fear you got Nick Nolte like he's a flawed character and he's he's the good guy right um so I think he likes to play just around with Travis Bickle he is a crazy psychopath and his complete isolation is allowing him to just go crazier into you know his mental state um, however, he looks at the world as being filled with a bunch of scumbags and idiots and, you know, and creeps and terrible people. And he, he goes and, and tries to save a great role of um, with Jodie Foster. You know, that was awesome. She was like 12, I think, in that movie. Um, so I think it's, it's just kind of like he likes to put you in the driver's seat of, of determining what, you know, what should be the case and how you should be the character without it being a clear answer. So I guess that's how I would answer it. It's like you have to decide for yourself. Okay, I just thought it was interesting because it was very similar to King of Comedy uh, with that media spin involved yeah. turning into like these positive, uh, uplifting members of society. So that was kind of strange and different. But uh, no, I, I rewatched this and I, I actually changed my opinion. I thought it was a lot better than I uh, remembered. Big Brother Michael, um, did you rewatch this and did you have anything to add? I did. I did rewatch it. And, and like you, Bobby, I, uh, I, I kind of my opinion kind of changed a little bit and it's 
it's really due to Scorsese's directing. I mean, it's it's this like suspenseful sort of like this like captivating tone that that he he puts in uh, that's that's very rewatchable. Um, and and his, you know like like as you guys said, the flawed character and you know kind of uh, how he he likes that stuff is it's it's very it's very it is it's captivating and and you can almost you can't take your eyes off this guy because you know and, and it's very like it's very soft and kind of uh you know just kind of like underlining uh the, the 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 volume of it all like for a lot of it um but for me it was it was a little dated to be honest when i would i mean when i start thinking about the other his other movies started in 1990 with Goodfellas and on it just for me it just it just didn't didn't crack the five yeah and I think um, it didn't with me either I, I th thought it was better than I originally um, believed but uh like Tony talked about a lot of things start here the, the like the inner monologue or the narration is in this movie um, yep. he just nicknames uh, Albert Brooks's lattice in this is amazing. Seen old. I was gonna say that. <laughs> uh, Harvey Keitel's character is crazy. Thing. Great. Uh, that's really good. And uh, there's some there's some good dialogue. The the first date between him and Sybil Shepherd, the this, the context of the discussion is so crazy. And then him taking her to a porn movie on the other date. That was um that was also great. Uh, so yeah, I I. I, I more favorably on this movie than I did before. So that was, it was just fun to revisit. Um, Tony, do you feel like, you feel vindicated? You're on mute. I feel good. I think, um, I, vindicated, I'm not so sure. Like, I think it depends. It all goes back down to like, I think Michael's point is great. It's like, that movie was created in just a different time, a different stratosphere of movies than like the 90s. And so Goodfellow like sets itself apart when we get into the parted and talk more about wolf like those movies are are so much better in a way that taxi driver isn't so but there's something about taxi driver that i think still to this day holds up where it's like we've talked about this before like is citizen kane the number one movie of all time to me absolutely not but it's number one on a variety of lists and there's some part of taxi driver that will always be great and and worth the discussion because of what it does and what it did, um, and I think that's where I think I, you know, I made good points, so I feel good. <laughs> did you? Did you make good? Right, and I think, um, yeah, I, it also shows that before he gets to his prime, he has a lot of lanes he can drive down and, and do really competently and really well. Uh, whether it's King of Comedy or After Hours, there's still really you know he can he can dip into several genres and do them really well. So. Um, yeah. Good movie there. All right, the next topic is Casino. So I think from all of us on our list, this one maybe dropped off a bit. We've touched on it a little bit already um, with Casino Fellas. <laughs> but um, I, for everyone, what specifically was it about what rewatching this that kind of made it maybe drop off or down a little bit? Big Brother Michael, maybe your thoughts. Well, rewatching it and then really trying to go over like Scorsese's movies as, as like a body of work, and and the the fact that this was 1995, right after 
was it was it right after Goodfellas or was there one in between there? I think there was at least one in between. I, I, I gotta, I'll check, but keep going. There, uh, there was. It was. Um, I think it was Age of Innocence. Was in between. Uh, anyway, it it is almost a carbon copy of of, of Goodfellas. However, uh, like I said earlier, I like gangster movies, and and Scorsese does them the best, and the 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 narration you know it might be it might be a little overwhelming uh for, for this movie but i liked hearing joe pesci doing doing his narration for like his part i i, I think his the way he talks and his you know his motherfuckers and all and all that stuff uh it's very entertaining to me it's very watchable to me and the uh i don't necessarily like I don't like the Sharon Stone stuff as as much. Um, I thought I thought they could probably go into more of the casino life uh, as opposed to as opposed to his personal life with 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 Sharon Stone. After I rewatch it, I didn't I didn't think that way like for the first you know the last ten years except for you know the last few months. I'm starting why the last month I started watching. It, I'm like. This Sharon Stone stuff is just—it's just tired to me. Um, but, but it's—you know—I like—I like gangster movies, and 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 I like how how Joe Pesci kicks everyone's fucking ass. I think that's entertaining to me. Like this, this entertains me. Um, and I know it didn't win—it didn't win any. It wasn't nominated for any Oscar except for Sharon Stone, uh, which I thought was very interesting when when i when i started to do, do research on this um and and it was it was the year of uh braveheart apollo 13 babe the postman and sense and sensibility um and uh cage cage wins for leaving las vegas and a little nugget side side note here mel gibson wasn't nominated for braveheart uh, okay, uh, I, I just you know I, I I didn't know that was that was a real thing, but uh, Travis, but, that's interesting. Uh, but anyway, I, you know it's 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 very rewatchable. If I'm if I'm taking five movies to the desert to the deserted island, uh, casinos casinos coming with me because I want to see people's head put in a vice. I I want to see uh, Nikki stabbing people with a with a pen in the neck. Uh, you know, I I, I want to see Vegas. I I like I like the setting of Vegas and Scorsese. You know, get, getting together, and 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 seeing seeing what he can do with Vegas. He's he's a primarily like a a New York kind of uh, kind of guy, and him out in Vegas doing this movie and and how how once again how it's shot and and, and all the bright lights and all that shit. Uh, Scorsese does it fantastic for me. How do you say? So good, some good points there with, especially with like the little nuggets. That Braveheart thing also is still blowing my mind, by the way, um, crazy. So Casino Fellas to me is, is just not, it, it's a movie that in terms of the top five, it's seven, you know, like it, you were talking about splitting hairs. When you get to like his movies, you know, there's eight where I think besides Goodfellas, you really can make an argument about anything from two to, to seven or eight probably. Um, where, where, where it goes right, is Ace. Ace is, in terms of 
favorite character of all time in terms of his movies. He might be my favorite. He's great. I can talk more about him later. Um, I love the Vegas aspect. Uh, I love, I think it is the baseball bat, the ending of that, that movie um, where his brother and Nikki, it, it, I mean, that really is, it's disturbing in a way where it sits with you. You can barely watch it. Like it is wild um, and, and insane and awesome at the same time. So incredible scene there. Um, the, t the narration does not do it for me. Nikki is great, but he's Tommy Light for me. He, uh, you know, every, every aspect of the movie I just think about what Goodfellas did better. Like, you know, they have the tracking shot in Casino, but the Coco, the Coco Cabana scene is, is the best scene of all time. You just can't top it. So you, you're, you're talking about things you can't top. And for me, I was like, how can I make an argument to put it up in top five when Goodfellas is sitting right there just staring it down? It's just staring down Casino and just like watching its every move. Um, and then the ending of this movie, um, the baseball bat scene happens and then Ace goes back to being a bookie and literally the last two words of that of that movie are, and that was that, that's that. And then the credits roll, huh? Like, this is just such like a lackluster, like kind of end. And I recognize if anything, you could make an argument, okay, that's the life. He cycles through and he ends back to where he started. Saw that, I saw that in Goodfellas when Henry Hill, you know, comes back and he's just in some nobody at the end of the movie too. So that's, I, I don't want to dog Casino because I, I think it's a good movie. And I just need to, it's about making arguments as to why it doesn't make your top five for me, because it is great. Like, and I, and I'll watch it. I watched it last night and it was awesome, but um, that's why it's not in the top five. Yeah. And I think, um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Uh, it's kind of like pizza. You know, it's like, it's at this point, it's, there's not, it's still pizza, right? It's still Scorsese and it's still Pesci and De Niro kind of doing their thing. Um, which is always a good thing, but it's such a knockoff in a way. Um, it feels that way. And Tommy is Nick, right? They're the same exact performance. There's no, there's no real difference uh, for Pesci between those two characters. Um, so it, it, it jumped down a little bit. Also, the the storytelling is a little bit clunky in the, the chronology of it. They start out and they jump kind of right into almost mid-story. In the first 40 minutes, if you pay attention, it's a lot of music and narration over just Pesci and De Niro kind of walking around and just looking cool. And there really isn't a lot of like interaction for the first 30, 40 minutes. It's really bizarre. And then they kind of like jump into this, the movie where it's the first scene where they take the guy in the back and smash his hammer with the rubber mallet. That's kind of when the scenes and the interactions mostly start. So it's just kind of all over the place a little bit. Um, but again, there's still so many good things going on that uh, I still got to include it because um, De Niro's clothes themselves could have a documentary made about them. They're so, all, I want all his casual outfits, the suits, all of it, they're hysterical. Um, those are great. And then uh, two of the death scenes, greatest death scenes ever were mentioned already. So um, yeah, I, th there's so many good things going on. And let's just, again, play a quick scene here where the music kind of offsets the behavior in a way where this movie, this scene becomes hysterical. This is uh, Nikki at the blackjack table. 50, fucking 50,000, go get it. I don't give a fuck where you get it. Fuckers, they take it, but they don't want to give it back. How the fuck can you grin? How the fuck can you grin? Do you know how much I'm stuck? You give a fuck. Do you? 
It's just a great, again, you got the little music in the background. It's kind of this playful, lighthearted music to this guy like Maniac, uh, which he can do for the next minute. But uh, one of the great scenes. And also, it's another example of just the humor. This is hilarious for some reason. You just, we're laughing the whole time we're watching this. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it drops out a little bit for all the points we made, but uh, still a, a great movie. Like It's like the pizza thing that I made. Uh, anything to add before we go on to the next topic on Casino? No, you know, it's, it's another thing with uh, taking a, a real story, a real character, is, is, is something he does really well. Uh, I know it's all loosely based on a true story, but it's a real character, like Henry Hill and those guys were, like Jordan Belfort, you know, was and is, and, and Sam Rothstein, I know he was Lefty Rosenthal uh, and all that stuff, but he does that really well. And uh, and I could watch shit like that all the time. Yeah, and again, does it in a way where like is, he makes these things somehow like relatively lighthearted and funny, and you're not just hit over the head with the real story. And, and just to kind of um, add a few nuggets about the real story. Uh, in real life, is the real the real life uh, Nikki Santoro is Anthony Spilatro, and this is based on the Nicholas Pelleggi book. It's called. I think it's called Casino, Honor, and Love in like Las Vegas. I don't know exactly, but Nicholas Pledge is the guy. He also wrote Wise Guy, which is the basis for Goodfellas. Now, ice picks in the balls and head in the vice really happen. All true. Um, and they actually, um, to kill that dude after he told them, they set him on fire. And then um, when Nicky Santoro, again, the real life is Anthony Splatter, when he got to Vegas, the murder rate jumped by 70% in town there. So um, this is all real stuff. <laughs> These are all real people that did shit. So it's crazy. And uh, to have it told in that entertaining way is I think, again, it's the signature that he does that no one else can do. So uh, are we good to jump? I think I think if, if Casino came out in 2002 as opposed to 1995, I think it might have a different reaction. I think it was too close. To, to Goodfellas, uh, I I think I think that was part of a problem. People were just hit over the head again with another gangster movie with Pesci acting like Pesci. I I, I think it was too close. That's fair. Um, Interesting point. That's fair. Fear and uh, Age of Innocence were the two movies between Goodfellas and Casino. So two movies in between. Um, but then I think like the kind of I would we we probably will never discuss Irishmen in, in the you know in the, in the scope of this podcast it's like there's a couple where it's just like what are you doing like I, we've already done it so i think that comes out more recently and that is just not great you know like in terms of in comparison to the the goodfellas you know way much scorsese needs to knock it knock it the fuck off <laughs> with 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 de niro yeah uh, I, I mean as far as as far as like a gangster movie 
Scorsese will can still do it, but he needs to knock that shit off with That's... with like the same old guys. True. Okay, um, the next topic is talking about kind of our one-offs where they weren't necessarily part of that four movie collection. And we all have a different one that we included in our top five. Uh, mine was The Color of Money. Michael, yours is uh, Gangs of New York. Tony, you're, you kind of have a, a few of them, but you talked about Tax Drive already. You have, um, is Cape Gangs Fear. of New York, Tony? I have Gangs on my list, but Cape Fear was my number five too. Okay, so you're going to kind of talk about Cape Fear because we're going to have a different – we're going to have a different discussion entirely about specifically gangs here. That's one of the topics. So, Tony, why don't you talk about uh, Cape Fear and why it got into your top five? So going back to the list in terms of, uh, you know, creating a top five and including what I would consider to be Scorsese's best, I think Cape Fear makes made it into the top five because it's great. It's already part of the top eight in my mind. Good movie. But it's a genre piece that you don't see too often from him. And he does it. He puts his Scorsese spin on it and it's something different. And in addition to all those pieces, you get De Niro being a complete, complete crazy person in a way that's like so fascinating and fun to watch. I feel like he did an incredible job with that. Um, you, you get uh, Juliette Lewis and De Niro both get Academy Award nominations in that movie. Juliette Lewis, um, it, a really good role from her. And I think, you know, there's a creepiness factor of this movie that um, you know, you don't find, like, I can't think of a creepy movie, you know, like a creepy character. There's not too many that can really pull it off. Uh, he pulls it off here. The movie's creepy in itself. I love the Southern accent of De Niro. Um, the movie, when it starts, it just takes off and it doesn't stop. So I think it goes really fast too. I remember just like, I watched, I rewatched it and you press play and then it just goes fast. The action starts immediately. Um, that seduction scene is so messed up with him and Juliette Lewis. It is like, it is so, so, so messed up that you like, you can't give it credit because it's literally so disturbing, um, but it is amazing in the way that it's so disturbing. Um, she's, he's a, uh, I looked this up. He's 48 and she's 18. Correct. I was going to mention that. Um, she's 18. Um, so that was, that was weird and a wild scene for them to do. Um, you know, uh, Nolte, you get Nolte. Uh, he, he does a good job. And it, I don't want to talk too much about characters, I guess, but like it, it fits in with that theme of just no one's a hero. Like Nolte, is a, he's an infidelity and he cheats and he's like not a great person and he's dealing with this. And, and I love how there's just such like um, a level of just like, you, you know, you can't do anything about like De Niro's so smart. Like he's, he's just towing the line. He's just outside the property and it's making Nolte go crazy. And it kind of makes you as a viewer just be like, we've all felt like just being able to not control a situation in a way that Nolte can't control it, obviously to a lesser degree, um, which I think was done very well by Scorsese. So, you know, to me, again, it goes back to like, it had to be in the top five because it encompasses my view of Scorsese and what I would push forward. Um, you know, it's on, it's five, it's number five for me. Uh, De Niro loved his performance in that movie. Thought it was great and overall a, a nice flick. Yeah, uh, Jessica Lang also really good in this movie. True. Uh, all over the place, you kind of don't know if she's, um, She's, you know, she's on his side or not. It's, it's really bizarre, uh, but she does a really good job. And um, this is one where I was taking notes watching it, and I wrote down we talked, this, we talked about this a little bit already um, in a in a text chat. But this whole notion of like De Niro versus Pacino. When I was watching this, and he just coming off Jimmy Conway at the age of like 47, 
and now he's 48 and he's playing Max Katie. I was like, this is just, this guy's incredible. And I just, I don't think this whole Pacino De Niro thing is even close anymore. Maybe, maybe that's a drastic way to put it, but I, I feel like he just has another dimension that he can go to that Pacino doesn't. And this is like an example for me. This is an example where this singular performance almost kind of is outshadows the movie in a way. Love that alley scene where he, you know, Nolte hires that dude to like go get him and he just beats his ass. And then he's just that counselor quote, just is so good. I mean, he's just, he really, he is a crazy person. I think the Nero pilot. I'll, I'll philosophize you. <laughs> come out, come out, wherever you are. <laughs> and you know, the, uh, hit the, the Nero performance in this, it's, it's, it's really good. And you're going to start to talk about when you do this with a lot of movies, uh, if you take De Niro out of this, you know, what does, what does Kate Fear become? You know, I mean, do, do, can, you no. know, you know, can't do that. Um, yeah. So if, if that doesn't work, the movie doesn't work. Correct. And I, and, and this was a, this was a close, close, uh, five slot for me. Uh, yep. this came really close. Uh, and it became close because of kind of what Tony said, as far as you haven't seen you know, this sort of genre from Scorsese in, 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 in this way yet. So I was like, God, does it deserve it just because of that? Just because it isn't his typical route. Uh, and, and I decided that, that for me, that's not a reason why to throw it in just, just because, just because it was different enough uh, that, that I just, I just couldn't do it because of that, because for me, I like, I want to rewatch Gangs more than I want to rewatch uh, Cape Fear. You want the gangster. I want the gangster, and then you know, more to the point, we can we can get into it here in a minute. Uh, more to the point, as far as those those two movies, they were they were really neck and neck for me uh, for my five slot. I want to watch Daniel Day Lewis as the butcher more, even at slight more than I want to watch De Niro as Max Cage. And, and that's, that, that's all fair. And I think let's um, table that, because we're, we're going to get to that discussion here about gangs in general. Uh, but first, I'm going to talk about my offbeat selection in my fourth slot, which is Color of Money and why I included that in there. Before I do that, is there anything we'd like to add about Cape Fear? No, I think I uh, exemplified all its finer points very well. Cape Fear, <laughs> rewatching uh, re it, I hadn't seen it in probably I don't think fifteen years, and then and then then I dialed it up, and I was just all in. I mean, I, I start watching it, I'm like, oh shit, I'm just I'm just all buckled in. I'm like, this is it, it's such a good movie, and <laughs> and his accent is just crazy. I loved I loved his like private investigator guy whoever that is that guy was awesome <laughs> as he's you know sitting there in the dark that scene was great you know watching I the table. believe he's almost like the same exact character in fletch no yeah yeah <laughs> uh anyway uh I, I just had to talk about that guy because i thought that guy was hilarious it's good to feel like when i was putting this list together i knew it was going to be a little controversial to begin with but sticking cape here and there actually feels good to know that like you guys watch that and and it really is as good of a movie as it is. 
Um, and uh, well, and you don't realize, you know, it, it, when you start looking at his list, it escaped me that it was a, a Scorsese movie. Yeah. Like, you, you know, as I'm like going through his IMDb and I'm going, okay, Scorsese, this, this, and I'm like, holy shit, he did Cape Fear? I'm like, I gotta watch this again. And I believe I was like, him. Yeah. <laughs> the story great. behind that was those two scripts, Cape Fear and um, I believe Schindler's List came out and Scorsese was going to do Schindler's List and Cape Fear was going to be directed by Spielberg and then they swapped them. They did a little trade. Wow. Oh shit. Yeah. That's a that's a dramatic switch there. Pretty big wow. shift. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I also just want to add too, I really enjoy movies where everyone's just sweating all the time and everyone's just hot. <laughs> They're just... <laughs> I don't know, there's something about it. Everyone in that movie is just constantly, it's, it's suspenseful to begin with, but everyone's just sweating. They're hot. It's great. Um, uh, okay. I got to make the case for Color of Money here. Um, and rewatching this, what I liked about it, also kind of in that sense that I kind of forgot this was a Martin Scorsese movie. Um, it's a to totally different from what he normally does. And everything just kind of works about it. The story's really good. The script is really, uh, the dialogue, all of it's really good. Characters and performances, all very uh, well done. And it also has this quality that we talked about with um, Whiplash, where it just kind of captures this intimate insider look at this world of like pool halls and hustling that you know nothing about, but within maybe like, 20 minutes you feel like you know everything about they got the uh the balabushka pool cue they're talking about and um the little special chalk holders and all these little details that are um captured just really nicely in the movie that you feel like you you know this world really well and i always think that's a really effective storytelling technique um a, a little bit of ace rothstein and eddie Falson here a little few elements he's that distinguished hustler all principle very uh, very well dressed, very nice manicured. Um, then he got the fitted for the big sunglasses. You know, it's just like he has those Ace Rossi sunglasses. So there's a little bit of a little bit of elements there with him that I really liked. Um, and also, well, we talk about Scorsese in the very like male psyche, testosterone fueled stories and, and style that we all appeal to. Um, great female characters and performances he has in all of his movies. And in here especially, it's Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress uh, for the Oscars. And she was incredible in this. You don't know where she's going almost till the, till the end. You can't tell if she's kind of coming on the Newman a little bit. Does she really like Vincent? Is she using him? Uh, she's great in this and is a big reason why I really liked it as well. And then Forrest Whitaker pops in here for a cameo for about three minutes and lights the whole thing on fire. And the scene that I'm gonna play here in a second is where he hustles Paul Newman and Paul Newman is mentally like destroyed. And he's gonna ask him now, hey, were, were you were you hustling me? And here's this reaction. Hey, I wanna ask you something. Why don't you be real honest with me? I mean, that reaction is just psychologically savage takedown of Paul Newman right there. He's already at his worst, and he just gives him, I think I need to lose some weight. It's a great line, great line for any movie. So um, I love that. 
And then overall, it's just a really great like sports gambling um, con artist movie. And it ends really well with Vincent kind of trying to take him down with a nice, uh, he, he kind of has the, uh, he dumps to him and then Eddie Felsen forfeits the match to get back at him. It, it's a really nice ending. So I love rewatching this movie. I enjoyed it way more than I remembered. And uh, there's just overall, I guess, every little part of it works so well that all these people have to do is kind of show up and do their job and it works really well. Um, so as opposed to say, for example, we're gonna get into these, like Cape Fear and Gangs to me are just about those singular performances overwhelm the movie so much that if you take those away from it and if those don't work, I don't know what these movies even are to a degree. Whereas in this one, I think everything is so quality and everyone's doing such a good job. The script's good, the story's good. It's really easy to make this into an overall well-rounded movie. So that was my reasoning. Um, reaction. I can almost get there with the, you know, the idea of taking out that, that role. You know, I, I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around that because I just watched Gangs of New York recently too. And I don't know, I think, you know, there's some bad performances in it, but as a story, it's got, it's got a lot of good content and the historical, I know we'll talk more about gangs, but I don't know if I can get there with gangs. I get it with Kate Fear. Um, nobody shoots a better pool game than Martin Scorsese. I mean, it's like I could watch, watch pool get played under his direction for hours because it's just so cool. He's just so cool. Um, but I think you're spot on about just the performances. Cruz is in his prime in the 80s. Like he has a great 80, like very solid. And he's just coming off Top Gun. I don't know why this movie isn't more liked. I, I, maybe it's so different from what Martin Scorsese will do um, in, in the future and, and why it's not just like thought of as just like a more of a classic film. I know there's some comparisons with The Hustler as like a reprised role and, and it just doesn't live up to it. So, and I don't, I'm not really familiar with that movie. So I don't know if that's true or accurate, um, but it just doesn't seem to get as much praise as it should. It is really good, but then I think about it in, in terms of comparing it to, you know, pushing it into a top five. It's definitely right up there. It's definitely like one of the outliers or an honorable mention for me, um, but that's kind of where it doesn't make the cut. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's around seven or eight for me. Uh, and and rewatching it, once again, I, I hadn't watched that movie. I've maybe only watched it once in my life and it was probably 15 years ago. And so I watched it two weeks ago, and and Tony, you're 100 right. Uh, him filming the actual game of pool. Jesus Christ! I wanted to go to a pool hall. You, you, you know, I, I I wanted to go to a pool and start start shooting pool. I, I was it, it is it is really good. Um, yeah, you, you start looking uh, online for the Balabushka to buy one. The Balabushka stuff was funny. I actually had it, I had my phone in my hand and I, I started looking up Balabushka, like, you know, as far as like, how much are they and all this shit. Uh, and, and, you know, Tom Cruise's hair, I almost was like distracted by it. It's, it's, it's like so tall. I was just staring at it the whole time. Uh, it, it was hysterical. Um, but, but it's one of those kind of Cape Fear things where where I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, you know, Scors like I didn't know Scorsese did this movie. Holy shit! I was talking to uh, a couple guys at work about Scorsese and as I was doing doing this and watching movies, I'm like, hey, you know, he did The Color of Money, and people were like, what? Like, you know, it's it's right. it's it's pretty, it's pretty funny that he did The Color of Money, 
And so when, when I think of Scorsese movies, it is, it is more of that kind of gangster, high testosterone sort of, sort of movie. Not that this, this isn't a testosterone filled movie in this alpha male movie, but, but it just, it just couldn't make it in over gangs for me. Um, and, and with, you know, we're going to get into it, you know, with like the, the Daniel Day Lewis, you know, take him away. And what does it do, do, do for that movie? Uh, I don't know what it does, but the fact is he was in that movie. And, and I can't, I can't look away from that because he was in that movie. Daniel Day Lewis was in that movie. And, and that's how I know it. And it's too good to, to kind of shy away from. Well, let's let's kind of um, talk a little bit about that because that's the next topic. Um, your your fifth movie was Gangs New York, and I didn't include it. I've talked about why, but what does that movie become without him? I mean, I guess my answer to this would be probably goes around to like a a B plus, maybe like a C. But maybe I'm being too hard on it. Uh, someone kind of tell me what your thoughts are. Well, the movie. The movie might be a B plus, even even with Daniel Day Lewis. To, to to be completely honest, but but he is in that movie, and and right from the right from that that very first scene, where where you know it, it's it's the dead rabbits and the natives, and they're all kind of converging on on this like battleground, and and all the all the natives start coming out from the woodwork, and and then like they play this sort of almost like techno y music. For that first sort of like battle scene, and it's it's really good. I almost started laughing when it when when it started because I hadn't seen it for a while, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I go, "Yeah, that's right. This is great." You, you know, I was, "Yeah, here here we go." And then um, and then you know, as far as the negative part, the Cameron Diaz stuff. No one likes her her in this movie. I don't think. I don't know if many people do like her. I thought she was not very good. Her accent, everything about it was kind of strange. Um, but all the Daniel Day-Lewis stuff for me, I mean, you, you can't look away. I, I mean, you just can't look away and I can't like, I can't leave it out because it was so strong that, 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 that performance, it was, it was so memorable and, and it was just one of those, one of those movies that, that when it's on, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm turning that, I'm turning this on. And I'm turning it. I'm I'm turning it on because of Daniel Day Lewis. Because I want to see him tenderize the meat and headbutt Leo and get all bloody. I want to see that. You know, I I I want to see him showing like this is a wound. Uh, another thing too I thought about is <laughs> a hard thing to think about is what's your favorite scene in that movie without Daniel Day Lewis? That was a hard thing to do. <laughs> to me, to me, really, it's like. You know, like, what's your favorite scene? I don't know. I, I still don't have an answer for that for that question. Uh, as far as what's your favorite scene without Daniel Lewis in movie, there's not many. So, so I understand the argument of of like, well, without him, what is this movie? Yeah. I don't know. It's a fun question, but it, it can't. It's not worth. It's not. I don't know how much worth it has because he's in it. I totally agree with that part. And you're talking about the top villains of all time. You know, he's he's in he's on that list. Like the butcher is one of the best 
villainous characters I've ever seen in my life. Daniel Day-Lewis is absolutely incredible and blows it out of the water. I'm curious more about, besides the Cameron Diaz stuff, why it is a B plus, why, it's, why it gets that grade, and digging a little bit deeper on that. I thought it's actually just, I really, really enjoy this movie. Um, I don't know if I would go where I would grade it, but what parts of it besides the Cameron Diaz um, sections of the film make it not so great? I loved, and, and we don't really talk, because Daniel Day-Lewis is so good in this, we don't talk about how good Leo's in it too. And I thought he does a really good job. That connection between him and, and Lewis is similar to like, you know, what is it? Costello and um, Costigan, you know, like they really do a good job of selling to me that like he's a father figure for this guy. And then in that one crazy scene, he, you know, he takes a shot at him and then that's one of the best scenes in the movie and one of the best Scorsese scenes ever. Um, so I don't know, I, I think it's, it, it is up there though because of Daniel Day-Lewis though too. So, I mean, I don't know like how I grapple with that, but it, it's, that is the movie. So. Um, you can't look away when he's on screen. I did watch it last night and I had already rewatched it, but I just threw it back on and I fast forwarded through all the Cameron Diaz parts. Um, and it was one of the best movies I've ever seen without that. So maybe it's just Cameron Diaz, but I don't know. I'd like to dig a little deeper on that and just think that overall though. And, and the historical aspect of this movie is great. Um, I love that at the end of the movie, ending is so good um you know, these guys are spending all this time battling against each other it's so crazy and then just these cannonballs come and it's just you know your problems are nothing in comparison to like what you have to deal with together so i love the ending um too and uh and, and still think it stands up to this day let's play the, um one of the i think probably the best scene of the movie a little clip from this and i'll explain uh, why i've added to my life goals because of it to convey there more than anything is that uh, when I watch that, I want to add to my list of life goals to when someone, at, when I'm being cheered on by a crowd and they're asking me to kill someone and I can say, not earned a death of my hands. I can't kill him. <laughs> he hasn't earned it. A couple other things too, um, when I watch this movie, the next time a woman like makes a pass at me and calls me by my first name, I'm going to make sure to that if she's happy before, otherwise she can't refer to my Christian name. I'm also gonna do that. And um, <laughs> this is more so for Michael, when we're at home in the next holiday or two, you're just gonna wake up and turn over and I'm gonna be sitting in a rocking chair wrapped in an American flag. <laughs> or talking about life, so. That's too good. Um, yeah, yeah th this, and it, look, it's all him. It's all insane. Um, and yeah, it, it just, I guess just that mental exercise of just even, even replacing him, you know, like with just another performer, like no one's gonna get that out of it, right? Like it's just, there's no way. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, some, some notes I have. Uh, he lost to Adrian Brody for the Oscar for The Pianist. Uh, go, go fuck yourself. Uh, uh, Scorsese lost 
Roman Polanski for The Pianist. Um, there's a there's a story. This is a story from IMDb that I that, that I read that after the filming was was wrapped, Leo and Scorsese invite Dan Day Lewis out to dinner. He accepts, but wouldn't break character at this dinner and scared the waitress so that, that she didn't want to serve him. Uh, what the fuck are you talking about? After after the filming is shot, <laughs> that is insane. Yes, yeah. I would like to hear some some like clarifying stories from that from one of those guys because you know like that whole method approach he takes so he doesn't break character on set so while a lot of these people are probably like getting to know each other in a certain way and maybe having lunches together or maybe even other dinners like he's not doing any of this he's not getting to know people right there's no social dynamic for him on set so yeah. afterwards it's like hey we going to dinner it's like i don't know no, I'm not. <laughs> no, if we're going to dinner, I'm going to be Bill. If I'm Scorsese, this dude is locked up during filming. He's in a prison. Like, I'm not letting this guy out. He's that scary. And I know he's not breaking character. The uh, the uh, first battle scene, too, I, I was watching it. I just, like, I started cracking up. And how insane it is that Bill the Butcher, he fights with a chef's knife and a meat cleaver. Those those are his two choices of weapons to like fight, you know, it's it, it this meat cleaver he's just go, going to battle with. I thought it was so goddamn funny. 10 Oscar nominations though for that movie. And uh, Scorsese, I read, he turned his salary back in to keep the film on budget. Hmm. Just a- hmm. That's interesting. It didn't include it because I, those movies, even like uh, A Raging Bull, for example, it begins and ends with that singular performance. And if that doesn't execute well, the whole movie kind of doesn't hold up. And so I kind of just look at those are those, these just massive, overwhelming performances on the movie. And without them, I don't know how really good the movie actually is. And I think- well, it's a it's a story. It's a, it's a, it is a good story. Like the historical part of it, you know, is, is, is relatively accurate it's kind of loosely based you know on on real events and real characters uh bill the butcher was based on william Poole, uh and uh another part of part of the ending tony i really liked when they had that scene um of new york and then they kind of go throughout the years at, the cemetery changing and changing i thought that was pretty cool uh yeah. I that was a really nice nice way to way to end that um, but, but, but yeah, I, I think, I think it is a good story. I, I, I mean, of course you take, I mean, we're, we can go in, around and around about, you know, take Dan Day Lewis out. He overwhelms it. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing for, for me. No, in fact, I would say that's what we want in these movies. Like those aren't like, those aren't even fair questions because you would never want it the opposite way. I think, I think the more important question is to you guys, if Cameron Diaz was not involved, and if her role was different, would this movie be higher on your list? Because I think, you know, you move her out of it, you, I don't know what's, again, I don't know what's wrong with this movie. I don't see any flaws um, outside of like that aspect of the film going so horribly wrong. What else is it about this film that, that doesn't work besides her not working? Uh, I think maybe, you know, this is my, complaint with all out of these but maybe a little too long um there's probably two seven yeah it's, mm -hmm. there's some things that can be cut for sure um 
And, Cameron's parts. Yeah, and, and look, I look, I don't know. Maybe this is being a little bit too nitpicky, but Leo is he? He's good, but I think you can probably put I don't know five or six other people in there and do the same thing. Maybe with that, I I, I think he he does a good job. Uh, I I think Leo. I think Leo's kind of a, he's funny to where a lot of people would say like Leo is just Leo in like all of his movies, you know, for, for most of his movies, it's just like Leo being Leo, like minus maybe the Reverend and uh, and Django, you know, leading man. He's a leading man. He's 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 a leading man, but but you know him and him and uh, Scorsese teaming up. Was this the first team up? Um. This I'm gonna was, say yes. I think this was, was the first team up, and that and that became this lifelong collaboration that we're all better for. <laughs> we're all better to, to have that collaboration for people who love movies. Right. Yeah, he's his new De Niro now. Right, right. Another another funny uh, line in that movie, a, a term that apparently they used back in the day, is uh, Leo calls uh, Cameron Diaz a prim prim looking stargazer. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's a prim, prim looking stargazer. I thought that was maybe you should use it on uh, on girls, Bobby. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think that would work well. Um, okay, do we beat gangs to death enough? I, I think um, I think you guys might be a little hard on Cameron Diaz. I mean, I don't, I don't think she's not bad. I mean, is it just is it just the particular part that you don't like? Or her her. I don't. I don't like her role, and I and 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 I don't necessarily like like her accent. I don't. I don't like. Uh, I think you know, kind of like Casino, almost like take this girl part out for for me. Like like like. I mean, maybe it was a. It could have been a different actress, and it, and it might it, it might have been better. I just I I have no use for her. I don't know what functions she served in the movie as a character to help drive the, any narrative forward. Um, I don't know if she helped in any way. And I think she's just a little hokey sounding, you know? I, I just think it's, uh, I wasn't buying into it. And I think she's standing right next to Daniel Day-Lewis too. Like, you know, like a scene from her and then a scene from him and, and maybe we're harder on her because of it. But I only bring that up because I like the movie, you know? It's in my top five. So it seems like I almost want to know what's the argument for it not being in the top five. Like, and I think I keep hearing Cameron Diaz from people like she's, you know, one of the limitations to it being, you know, considered to be better than it, better than it could be, could have been. Okay. Uh, another, just one last little thing that I read, uh, Leo showed up late to the set one day and got like a full, like, like got like a dressing down by like Scorsese and, and some other of, of his peers, like in front of the rest of the cast. Uh, and he has never been late to set like for the rest of his career. That's what I read. I don't know what's true or not, but <laughs> that's amazing. That's what was said. That's a good nugget. Okay, I neglected to put any departed or wolf topics in our little discussion points because I don't know what I'm doing. So we're gonna quick pivot to that. Here is um, an expansion on Departed Wolf. I think, I think uh, the Departed deserves a, a few words. 
what a movie, you know, as far as like why that makes it in over other movies or, you know, like, because Wolf and Departed for me were, they're two, they're, Wolf was two and Departed was three for me. And that was, that was an inner battle. I was going back and forth and back and forth. Um, I put Wolf before it, um, kind of because of the comedy aspect of it, you know, and I love seeing this, just the the, the excess of it and, and, and these, these scumbags acting like scumbags, I thought was so entertaining. But but the uh, departed, you know, it was it was a, it was a real thriller, you know. It was it, it was a thriller movie. It was a movie that I guess uh, Scorsese said uh, it was the first movie he'd ever done with a plot. Is 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 a quote from from Scorsese, which I thought was interesting. Uh, you know, the the star-studded cast of the departed, it's it's just insane. You know, just just totally dialed up. You know, everyone everyone's going for it in every scene. But you know, Alec Baldwin and, and, and Marky Mark. You know, I mean, just going for it. They're they're, they're they're in ten minutes apiece the whole movie, and, and they're so memorable. Um, the Departed. You know, it 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 needs some uh, needs some discussion here, boys. I also flip flopped these two a lot, and. The deciding factor that you touched on already a bit, Michael, was um, I think the ensemble in The Departed was what won me over the most. Um, and, and like you said, everyone is delivering A-plus effort. Even if it works or doesn't, they're going all in. Uh, Wahlberg probably has never done anything better, has he? No. <laughs> I mean, not, not Here. before. Uh, Baldwin? Is incredible and, and just to kind of highlight um again i talked about we all have just that use of like humor where some of these scenes don't even maybe they're not even maybe necessary uh but it's that spice that he permeates all the movies with is what make them great let's uh play one of our favorite scenes from the departed it is the golf range called matt damon how's your wedding coming along great great she's a doctor Oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. Marriage is an important part of getting ahead. Without a hormone, every guy seems more stable. People see the ring, they think at least somebody can stand the son of a bitch. Ladies see the ring, they know immediately you must have some cash and your cock must work. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> Overtime. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Um, and <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Overtime. You know some version of that discussion has taken place on uh, many a golf ranges for the Boston Police Department, too. Um, yeah, just a great, uh, great scene. And uh, I guess well, the, the ensemble it was what did it for me. As opposed to Wolf has other good parts besides Leo, but it's a big, big Leo movie uh, in, in a way where it, it's his performance needs to work or else nothing does. So. Um, I just like the, the overall variety that everyone's giving here in this movie. Um, Departed, Departed was my number two, and Wolf of Wall Street, I mean, I don't know if we talk about this separately or not, but man, it's not on my list. And I, I really had to figure out one, I had to bring one reason to the table why Wolf of Wall Street is not on the list. And I think it really comes down to the fact that like, it is just so tough to watch these people's lives explode all around them. At least when I watch The Departed and I can pick all these other movies, 
there's somebody I can root for. Like, it is such a train wreck. Um, but then when I talk about my favorite scenes, if we talk about favorite scenes, that lemon, the Quaalude scene in Wolf is the best. It's like on my top three. Um, the Departed is the tightest script, I think, of any Scorsese movie. Like, I just think it is so solid across the board for all the characters. You got Costello, everybody has quotable, really iconic scenes across the board, whoever's acting in them. Costello is great. We don't even, we don't even mention Jack Nicholson right now. Like, we haven't even talked about him. His lines, line for line, are phenomenal. Matt Damon's character, so nuanced and amazing. Uh, Leo does incredible work. Like, you're talking about just like across the board, an incredible job of the characters. The script is so tight, the story is awesome. Um, it's, it's just, it just doesn't get old. That movie is just gonna be so good for all time. Um, and it, it really comes down to like Mark Wahlberg and Alec Baldwin too. It, it, you just can't go on, like across the board all the way through the entire uh, ensemble cast, incredible work. Uh, a couple of a couple of, of, of my little internet research things about this movie. Um, Brad Pitt was supposed to be the Matt Damon character, uh, and he ended up turning it down. Well, he passed on it because he thought he was too old, and he ended up producing the movie. He gave the role to Matt Damon and just decided to be one of the producers of this movie, which is an insane you know sort of thing for like you know you would think brad pitt you know with his big ego or whatever but now he just says it's better for the project gives it to damon and then he just goes on to produce it um let's see pacino turned down uh the role of jack nicholson which would have been uh kind of a different movie if that if that starts to happen that would be, uh, that'd be very different and I, you know, I, I, I can't believe that, that Leo wasn't nominated. I think that was a fucking travesty. He, he was, the same year, he was nominated for Blood Diamond, but not nominated for, for The Departed, which is fucking insane. Uh, Mel Gibson turned down the Baldwin part. And De, and De Niro, because Mel Gibson was doing Apocalypto, and De Niro turned down the, the Sheen part because he did the Good Shepherd. Hmm. Those are little, just little, little things that I that, that I read. Um, another thing that I had never seen before, as far as you know, kind of another Scorsese thing uh, that you've never seen in any movie is you don't see the like the actual title sequence uh, for 18 minutes. It's awesome. 18 minutes in, it goes Dropkick Murphy's song and then The Departed title. Such a good point. <laughs> it's nuts. It's, it's, Such it's, a good point. It's really cool. I, I thought that, that was a really cool thing watching again last night. Um, I thought that was just one of those, like, you know, one of those Scorsese things to where, like, if someone else does that, do you talk shit about that? Like, you're like, Scorsese can just get away with it and you just think it's cool because Scorsese did it. I don't know. But... It was fucking cool. It's cool. Uh, Anthony Anderson, Mr. French, good roles in that elevator scene. I think one of the best, even Matt Damon sequences of all time is, is when they're going down that elevator and he just starts spiraling through that. And then we forget about how Costigan just gets his head blown off in that. You know, like, you don't, well, the first time I saw that, like I've seen this movie, we've all seen it probably over 10 times at this point maybe, you know, but the first time you saw that, him opening that elevator and then just, Boom, head gets blown off. Wild, it's really wild, it was mind blowing. Devastating for, for, Devastating. for 
I think a lot of people did not like that uh, ending that, you know, Leo got killed. And, and I think a lot of people that bothered people, I mean, I, but because of how effective it was and how surprising it was, it, it just, it was good storytelling. And uh, yeah, I, it, it's, it's hard to pick a lot of myths about this movie. Um, some things I had written down was uh, Ray Winstone, is it his best thing ever? Maybe Ray Winstone. Sexy Beast. Phenomenal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought he he is good in Sexy Beast, uh, but but yeah, he uh, he he was great in this. I also uh, heard or read that he turned down the the role of McNulty on The Wire. Talk about altering a total, a complete show altogether. If if Ray Winstone is that role instead of uh, yeah. Bushy Top. How about Matt Damon when he comes in out of that elevator? There's like, there's like some nod that Scorsese gives. There's like an X in the carpet when he's walking. He tries to pet that dog, and the dog like jumps out of the way and stuff. And then he walks in, and you see Wahlberg, who it's just so cool how that goes down. Like he just shoots him with the door open, and it's like almost like he just they don't have any conversation. He just shoots him with the door open. There's blood that goes into the hallway, like it wasn't meant to be like not clean. Um, and he just walks away. I just thought, I think there's just like super cool things about just how that was all went down at the end. I thought that was so strange at the end when I'm like, kind of like, you know, kind of like trying to pick it apart a little bit. And at the end, I'm like, why didn't he shut the door? But it was very purposeful, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. very cool and then cool in, in, in that regard, you know. And then they showed like the end sequence. I was watching it with, uh, with my wife and she's like, Oh, a rat is sitting, a rat is sitting there on the last final shot. Like a little kind of like a little hokey, but you know, I was like, shut up. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know. A lot, it a lot is. of make fun of Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, too, another thing I wanted to kind of hammer home about this movie and, and this kind of style that only he can do. This movie is hysterical, right? I mean, this movie is so funny. Um, you know, the, the Wahlberg scenes are all great. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Uh, the cranberry juice scene. Da Damon, like you, you touched on this, Tony. I think Damon in the elevator scene, he's asking out Vera Farmiga, is fantastic. Um, he's on fire. Him at dinner with her is great. They actually have like good chemistry. Um, Alec Baldwin doing the face dunk in, in, in the cop station because he's so hungover. Uh, it's all this stuff is just it's hysterical. And then the the psychologist scene with. Leo and Vera Farmiga, where he does the, uh, you know, why don't you give me a bottle of scotch in the gun to blow my head off? And it's just like, <laughs> these scenes are, I don't know why, but they are, I am i shouldn't be laughing probably, but they're just funny. Uh, this, this movie is, it's it's that perfect signature style that he has, and it's, it's exactly what you want him to deliver. So, um, yeah, it's so good. And moving on to The Wolf of Wall Street. Tony, you did not put Wolf in there. Um, but did you, did you watch Wolf again recently? Yeah, it, and it's, it is hilarious. It's the funniest movie that, uh, of, of all of his that I watched. Um, Leo is incredible. I think you can get into McConaughey. I mean, like that McConaughey scene is, is now iconic. Um, Jonah Hill, great performance. Um, Margot, Margot, uh, 
phenomenal. Was that her like kind of breakout role, I believe, for her? Yeah. Um, incredible. So, I mean, I, 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 I grapple with it. Wolf is great, I'd watch it if it was on. You know, like it's not that it doesn't deserve to be in the number five. I, I get why they're included in yours. Um, didn't make it just because it is tough to watch somebody spiral in the way, like there's nothing redeeming about this guy's life and, and how it all goes down and how it ends up. Like nothing is good. It's tough to, it's like, I remember just being like, I watched it again, still stressed out, you know, when you just see it, like this guy just spiraling, but also like making so much money, like it's wild. Um, but that's why it didn't make it me. Yeah, it's interesting and it's hard to know what all is true or not true and how this guy really behaved, but it's that part where these guys, that scene where they're watching his daughter at ride the horse with his wife, they're trying to just talk him some sense into him, like just take the deal and you'll be fine. And he just can't say no. He can't, he has to, it's like, he's like, I built the company, dad. You know, and it's like, dude, what are you thinking? Just walk away and he can't do it. And it's, but it's also the same thing as why it makes someone like him do what he does, right? He just. He can't help himself, um, and it's it's what makes him successful in what he does, and also ultimately destroys him. They just can't stop, and like you know, that, and it leads to obviously the one awesome, you know, the show must go on scene. Um, you know, I'm not leaving. That whole thing, uh, but it, yeah, he just won't. He won't leave. Kind of like you said, Tony. Just kind of it's self destruction at its finest. Uh, the uh, the the I'm not leaving scene. Uh, that is, that's inaccurate. I, I've, I've like done a lot of like George Belford research and uh, you know, him talking about the movie and um, he did leave, you know what I mean? He, he did take the deal, uh, you know, cause he was like, well, I'm not stupid. So like the, the him like standing up there and saying, I'm not leaving. You know, that, that, that's in Scorsese taking some liberties of based on true story. Uh, okay. What, I'm glad he did. Cause, oh, cause Absolutely, it, it just makes what a what a great movie. And and Tony, I understand, you know, too, you know, you're, 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 there's no redeeming qualities to any of these guys. They're just zero. Uh, and 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 this movie goes a thousand miles an hour right from the shoot. I mean, the very first, I think, five minutes, he goes through his like drug regiment yeah. of his day. I think that's like the, in like the opening credits. He's like going through his like drug regiment. And it's and it's insane. And like that part, uh, he said that was true. He said it was probably underplayed how much, like how many drugs he actually took. Like I mean, the, the real Jordan Belfort said that, um, <laughs> you know. And 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 I just, I don't, I don't mind that. You know, I I I, I didn't mind like the, the the like the excessive, the debauchery, just just all, all all of that, just sort of like extreme nonsense. I thought that was cool. And he had some. You know, it is kind of, he did have ambition. I kind of liked seeing that. Like, like Jordan Belfer had ambition. He wanted to build something, He, you know, and, and he did. But he couldn't get out of his own way. I mean, he was brilliant. He's a fucking drug addict. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like that's that's what happened, you know. It, this movie is kind of, you know, it, it's almost like Wall Street combined with, like, American Psycho. It's just like, a little boy in the room, yeah. The, dr the drug use probably was um, helpful for some points, and then it just probably became uh, detrimental to everything. Yeah, and lemon. <laughs> right, right, and uh, yeah, and it's. Uh, I, I think it's also, it's kind of how 
any, if any one of us were 26 years old and made like $50 million in a year and had basically no consequences, it might turn out just the exact same way, right? I mean, like for any 26 year old guy with that kind of uh, resources and just zero consequences in your normal day to day life, this is probably some version of this would happen, right? A hundred percent. They, they, they had, they had access to anything and everything with no boundaries to, to anything and 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 they just they just turned it up they you know they just dialed it up to a thousand like every single day from what i understand and well and, and that, that article's real right that's that part about how they wrote that article feature on them and what happened is everyone wanted to come work for him now <laughs> it wasn't supposed to portray him as like some bad guy but everyone all of a sudden was like want to come work for him so it just shows you what becomes appealing to young males yeah that's that's correct i also thought the theme you know at the end of this movie he it, it's about this character who kind of rises to the top of what we all want what, what we all like envision wanting to achieve and then similar to goodfellas similar to casino you know the guy serves his 22 months in prison and then becomes like a consultant. He, he does like a, you know, come to my seminar about how to like, you know, trade stocks or bonds or whatever he does. You know, I just think it's like that, that kind of is at this point in the Scorsese, you know, filmography, a little bit done. It's been, it's been a little bit done for me. So I think at the end of that movie, I'm just like, oh, this is another story about how a guy started from nothing, got all the way to the top of what we all want, lost it all, and start and, and brings it back cycles from the beginning now he's back where he started yeah and it's like all these stories i mean look if they got away with it all there'd be no movie because we wouldn't know about it like <laughs> you know if we wouldn't know henry hill's story if you know he got away with it right so right they're, they're all kind of cautionary tales and it's just it's again it's the way he tells the story with the humor and this one especially is all it's basically a comedy um no one can kind of do that the way he does it and the way he kind of started doing that i'm sure people now are going to be copying this style for a long time but he was kind of the i felt like he was kind of the first and kind of creating almost his own genre uh you know the uh and, and he did and, and there are there are consequences to all these actions you wouldn't see this movie if they did if they got away scot-free you know the, the story wouldn't be out there um but but we're all better off that they're better off that it did get out and we're better off as viewers that it did get out like that and and as far as wolf of wall street it's, it's too fucking long okay it is it's all all these movies there's a touch long but that's that's part of this worth anything anyway so so we're just kind of accepting that um but you know, you watch this and it goes so fast. This movie, I mean, it goes so fast, and and, and, and like everyone's everyone's going a million miles an hour. Joan, Jonah Hill is fucking hysterical. There's so much drugs. You kind of you the movie ends and you're kind of like, holy shit! I need I need to like take a nap or take a shower. You know, you, you don't know which one. You know, but but it's uh, to me. I mean, it made my number two slot, which is which is you know a very big big spot I put it in um, because because it's so goddamn funny if I'm on the deserted island and I'm and I'm watching you know one through five my one through five in that order you're gonna have a fucking laugh for three hours yeah it's pure entertainment you're right 
Absolutely. It's, it's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Pure entertainment. You know, if you really, if you really listen to the McConaughey part of this, you know, when he kind of breaks down like the like the uh, the stockbroker Wall Street world, yeah. when when uh, Leo's like, well, if you know, if if the uh, if if the customer makes money too, that's advantageous, right? <laughs> and McConaughey just goes, no, fuck, fuck the customer. It's really effective. And probably, probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Well, well, Michael, let's uh, let's kind of finish here by playing that scene a little bit, a little clip here. Move the money from your client's pocket into your pocket. Right. But if you can make the client's money at the same time, it's advantageous to everyone. Correct? No. <laughs> Number one rule of Wall Street: nobody. Okay, if you're Warren Buffett or if you're Jimmy Buffett, nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in fucking circles. Least of all stockbrokers, right? It's all a fugazi. You know what a fugazi is? Well, fugazi. It's a fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi. It's a woozy. It's a fairy dust. It doesn't exist. It's never landed. It is no matter. It's not on the elemental chart. It, it's not fucking real. Right? All right. All right. Stay with me. Mm-hmm. We don't create shit. We don't build anything. No. So if you got a client who bought stock at eight and it now sits at 16 and he's all fucking happy, he wants to cash in, liquidate, take his fucking money and run home, you don't let him do that. Okay. Because that would make it real. Right. Now, what do you do? You get another brilliant idea, a special idea, another situation, another stock to reinvest his earnings and then so. And he will every single time because they're fucking addicted. <laughs> And then you just keep doing this again and again and again. Meanwhile, he thinks he's getting shit rich, which he is on paper. But you and me, the brokers, we're taking home cold hard cash via commission, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> that, it's uh, and the, obviously that scene goes on longer, and it's the iconic scene of the movie. But, uh, it's so special. It's it, it like when he, when he goes. It makes it real. You don't want to make that money real for for the client. Uh, it's brilliant, and it really kind of breaks down that like like that world, you know, as, as far as because you know that world is something that I'm like unfamiliar with. But with, with with him breaking that down about about you know you don't you don't want to do that because it makes it real. Holy shit! Like it, it really kind of like opens up Jordan's kind of eyes to all that, and uh, and then the movie kind of goes on from there. And they just start pretty much ripping everyone off. Yeah, that becomes his model for uh, what he what he wants to do. I really like uh, you know about this movie in general too. The it, there's like a Quentin Tarantino aspect with the um, with the cast. You know, I think like I go back to Margot, I go back to Jonah Hill. He fleshed out some great performances. He got like the best out of Matthew McConaughey in this scene. Like really good stuff out of McConaughey. Leo's obviously great in, a, in this movie, but what I think makes this movie so great, which I understand I don't have it in my top five, but uh, if you look through what Scorsese has done in the 2000s era, you know, this really promoted him as somebody who like could make something that reinvents itself, has new characters, 
is a fresh take and a new script, something that was a little bit different with, with, with new actors um, that, that helped me and I think everybody to be like, hey, Marty's, Marty's still around, you know? Like, you know, you have these other movies in there. There's probably 10 in there, but I know, Bringing Out the Dead, I don't even know if that made it in, but it started with Gangs in 2000. You have The Aviator, you have Shutter Island, you have Hugo, you have Silence, you have The Irishman. You know, those are the movies that encapsulate Martin Scorsese in the 2000s, but Wolf of Wall Street comes out and it's like, ooh, he's back. Like this guy's got it. And he's, you know, I think that's important. I think that's what The Departed did in the early part of the 2000s. And that's what Wolf of Wall Street did in the later part of the 2000s and continues to just like accentuate his greatness. That's, that's a great, great point, Cohen. I think that, that that's well said. The, the, the one before Wolf, he did Hugo, that like family movie. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the casual viewer of Scorsese, you know, probably went, oh, Jesus Christ. And then, he comes, back, and then he comes back with the wolf right after Hugo. Yeah. When you, when you say the Scorsese flick is coming out, this is what you want to be delivered. Um, and that's why Tony's been completely wrong about this list the whole time. <laughs> I think I gave, I gave, I just gave a great point. You just, made, you just made, you just contradicted your entire case, Tony. Well done. Uh, no, no. Listen to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, guys. Have we, have we done it? Have we completed our task? As best we can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did it. And, and it's funny because all these are so good. You know, it's, it's a very subjective, opinion, you know, opinionated uh, list that, that we make. Uh, and, and we're all just, you know, as, as a lover of movie and TV and all that stuff, uh, Martin Scorsese is is in a class, you know, really to, to the top. You're talking about 50 years of film here and a guy who stood the test of time in that and, and reinvented himself and made, you know, you're talking about movies like Wolf of Wall Street compared to Taxi Driver, compared to Goodfellas, like, those are separated from 30 years, almost almost 30 years each. And um, somebody who can pull that off is pretty special. So it's just fun in general to like take a look at at everything. I would almost say like, there's there's a lot in his, it's almost like there's a lot of duds too, you know, like he's not, he's kind of flawed and I know he had some drug problems and there's a lot of things that, you know, Scorsese has done that, that make him to be like almost even more interesting that we didn't cover. Uh, but ultimately like in terms of coursework, some of the best movies that you could ever ask for you know it was fun to kind of rewatch them all yeah, yeah we, we win you know the 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 viewer win you know but you know we won for the last 30 years from you know from taxi driver to today so that's good i could not say it probably any better um it's just been really fun to uh kind of re-examine his entire catalog and uh firm up all of our thoughts and ideas around what is the best and why and uh and then discuss our differences so um yeah this has been very enjoyable maybe next the ddl top five daniel day lewis i don't know i mean that might be that might take months that's too tough crap i don't know it's intense oh. tarantino you know what i mean like you, you go tarantino you go ddl um there's there's a lot we've done over over text. I think it's funny. <laughs> we just start throwing out, but yeah, we'll do something else. Maybe. Yeah, we're obviously experts, so you know this is yeah. whatever yeah. it is. We're gonna bring the hottest takes. That's what I know. 
Absolutely the hottest. Uh, all right, fellas. Um, till next time. The top five. Talk about putting yourself into an analytical pretzel. Tony probably gave the most articulate, strongest case for Wolf of Wall Street to absolutely be in the top five. Better than Michael or I could. And then, of course, does not have it. Shame on him. Uh, we'll, we'll be sure to keep bringing that up as we move ahead. And Big Brother Michael also noted after the discussion, a major error, we did not mention Lester Diamond in the casino discussion. It's a big miss on my part because he's a personal hero of mine, and I think James Wood should win an Oscar every year until the end of time for his performance in that role. But hey, uh... Thanks for listening. We will return with some other top five lists in some capacity. Daniel Day Lewis, maybe uh, Gene Hackman, who knows? Um, either way, whether you liked it or hate it or are indifferent, download, subscribe, rate, review, and don't forget to follow on the gram and Twitter at SportsPot Hookup. We'll see you next time.